Welcome into Honorado and Bagnardi. Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi. Bag's huge yeah. guest today. Huge guest. Historically great. And you don't get to say that about a lot of people in the sports arena. But I want to waste everybody's time off the top here. As you do. Yes, yeah. because I got a text message today from a phone number I don't know. And it says, hi, would you allow McCafe Coffee to put a small decal on your car and get $500 weekly? There's a link. Is this the type of stuff corporate warns us about that I shouldn't be clicking on? Sounds like yeah. a pretty good deal. Yes, but <laughs> but might be worth trying it out. Yeah, yeah I might take the 500 bucks a week. Uh, our guest today, and it's ahead of a really cool thing that ESPN does, ESPNW, their second annual summit. They hold it in New York City, but obviously everything this year is virtual. And so it's a great opportunity for people out there to register for free to get access to some of the greatest female athletes, and female TV personalities uh, and high-level business executives as well tomorrow. We're going to tell you all about that as we bring in our guest here, Julie Foudy, today, a two-time World Cup champ, a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Julie, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? I We're definitely good too. the 500 bucks. Are you kidding me? Yes. Right? Yeah, for sure. What's the worst that happens? When in quarantine, take 500 no doubt. Now, Chris, you're normally not a guy who puts any stickers on the car. We're both pretty much against that, right? But yeah. for money, sure. you're a sellout. Yeah, do just about anything. Right. Yeah, do yeah. just about anything. Uh, Julie, it's it's great to see you. Um, tell us a little bit about this summit tomorrow that has so many big names, and we're going to run them up on the screen here uh, in a second. But this summit tomorrow, what what will people have access to, and why should they sign up? Well, it's, um, as you were mentioning, Chris, it's uh, athletes. Uh, I'm talking, for example, to Simone Biles, uh, who, of course, is one of the most decorated gymnasts of all time, total rock star. Uh, I'm also talking to Crystal Dunn. This is both for our podcast, uh, Laughter Permitted. So, and she's a soccer World Cup champion. Um, and we have a lot of ESPN talent involved, Katie Nolan, Mina Kimes, Sarah Spain is hosting it for us. And we bring in all these fantastic rad women from various industries and sports worlds. And, uh, and we have a ton of fun. Typically, when we do this live and in person, uh, you know, it's combined with some movement and activity. We actually do a three-day summit in Newport Beach, but this is just a one-day event in New York. Uh, and so it's nice, actually, that we can do it for free and provide access to a lot more people because typically we're constrained by the space size. And so we have a large crowd joining us tomorrow for the fun. And it's fun. It's it's very casual. I'll probably be in my pajamas with a hat on, kind of like I am right now. <laughs> Julie, you've been such a obviously an advocate for women in sports and one of the things that when Chris said we we're going to have you on, I said I, I really wanted to ask you is if you could if you could have the ear of every young female athlete, right, age ten to, to college athlete, what piece of advice would you want to give them? You know, based on all your experience and all the things that you've had to fight through as they look to move forward in athletics. Yeah. Well, the one thing that. I always talk about with kids because it's been the common denominator for all the teams I've been a part of, but especially 
the national team. I mean, I played on the national team for almost two decades. And of course you have to put the grind in and you got to put the work in. And I think athletes get that and players get that. But the thing that's missing I see in youth sports today, especially with the younger crowd, is you you also have to have some joy to what you're doing. And that was the common denominator with that national team. There was laughter and there was fun and uh, there was a real sense of, I just love what I'm doing. And so I would remind kids and parents, because we suck the joy out of it for kids. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy when you're on the sideline and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? So reminding parents and coaches, especially like bring that back in. Like there should be laughter and there should be celebration. And it should be fun because that's what keeps kids in it, honestly, is you know, your kid's not talking about, you know, that semifinal match or that quarterfinal match. You know, what do they say? Uh, I do Little League World Series as part of, you know, my ESPN stuff I do. And every kid I talk to is like, you know, the best part of baseball, my friends, yeah. my, right. my boys, hanging with my pals. I mean, that there's so much to that. So um, reminding parents and coaches to not suck the joy out of it. Julie, you mentioned the podcast. It's Laughter Permitted with Julie Foudy. You can find it on the ESPN app as well as uh, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Uh, who have you had on in the few years you've been doing it that really just kind of like blew you away? Was, was there somebody you you worked hard to get as a guest or was there somebody mm -hmm. that going in, you, you didn't know what to expect and they just kind of blew you away? That's a great, great question. I mean, we... We've had, uh, we've been doing it for a year and, uh, and we've only had women on, uh, right. on, on purpose, of course, because we had said to ESPN, like we, we get, you have a very large male base of listeners for podcasts and we're going to try and flip this model a little bit and try and get some trailblazing women who aren't always involved in sports. Like we've had Katie Couric on, we've had Robin Roberts on who, you know, obviously Robin was an athlete and played and covers sports, of course, still with GMA some, but, um, I, I would probably say the one that um, – oh, it's so hard. I, maybe uh, Doris Burke talking yeah. about – yeah, Doris was great. Everyone – Doris. I call it Doris. That's what she said. Doris. Uh, <clears throat> you know, just, you know, from someone who, you know, is such a giant in this industry and as a woman who, as, you know, there was a time in her career where she was just – torched by social media for how dare you be a woman that calls men's games, basketball games, and men's, you know, collegiate or professional or whatever it was. And now she's got, you know, Drake with, you know, her own t-shirt, right? Drake wearing her t-shirt saying she she's the best. So for her to continue to grow and give back and do what she's doing, that was really fun personally for me as someone in this industry to talk to her. Um, so we have we've we've talked to just a lot of amazing athletes to um, to just, you know, women in the, in the business, which has been fun. And, and and as you guys know, you can do it in a format that's not yeah. you know, a three, three minute feature and you can just take little sound bites. You can actually sit down and talk and we usually do it over donuts and hopefully booze and. 
Bex, what are we doing wrong here, man? I know. Yeah, the booze. We need the booze. No booze, no booze, no stickers, no donuts for this. I know, man. Why would I say yes to this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try to spice it up and make it a little more fun here. Uh, Julie, you and I talked a couple of years ago on the radio, and I believe I asked you then what I'm about to ask you now for a different audience. You won two World Cups, 91 and 99. Why is 99 the one that so many people remember? And why was 99 the one that you said, we've got to make a documentary about this? It was an ESPN doc, the 99ers. Well, it was a transformational phase, right? We were hosting in the United States and uh, and obviously 91 was in China. Well, not obviously, because no one knows that. Uh, 91 was the first ever Women's World Cup. Oh, stand by. Go ahead after that. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just making that phone call. Um, 90. 91 was in China, first ever actual Women's World Cup. And although there were huge crowds in China, which we thought would translate to huge interest in the United States, we got home and there were like two people at the airport. <laughs> one was our bus driver and one was our ops guy. <laughs> and uh, I was at in college at the time. I got back to college and my professors were like, where have you been? I was like, oh, no one knows. <laughs> so 99, we were convinced we would change that. and uh, And it took obviously uh, a lot of hard work from a great local organizing committee and U.S. soccer put some faith into the fact, I think, because we had been such a success at the 96 Olympics that they could fill stadiums. So they went big, they went Rose Bowl, they went, you know, Mets, they, they did all these huge stadiums and people thought we were crazy, but we filled them. And I think, you know, that's really why we wanted to tell that story is we felt like we were, setting a standard for what women's sports should look like. If you put the money and energy and investment in it and you spent time and we as players spent time and, you know, look at the results. So it helped of course that we won it, but um, it's why also we were super excited when Netflix, you know, just announced that they want to make it into a full on motion picture, a movie. So that's great news as well. So it's exciting. It's, and it was a, I think it took too long. Honestly, we yeah. thought it'd be a much faster catalyst for people to, Go yes, this is a you know a market we want to get into, and we're still working on that. Hopefully, this doesn't slow things down with the pandemic, but it is a monumental time in our sports history. And on the subject of ninety, the nineties, and documentaries, we've all recently mm -hmm. taken a trip back with the Last Dance. Yeah. I'm curious if you saw the doc, what you thought of it, and I'm also curious about your team back then, the '99 team. Was there sort of a that? that Jordan figure or somebody like that in the locker room who was the kind mm -hmm. of person who really motivated everybody, not that that team needed it. You guys were all so talented, but that type of personality around that team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I watched every episode, every Sunday night. We were like, let's go. Um, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see, you know, how every little thing became a motivating factor for him. If you didn't go over and talk to Michael at dinner, right? It was like, oh, screw you. I'm coming after you. If you said one thing. Um, and in terms of who that player was on our team, I think women's teams are a bit different in that sense, right? Like it's not going to come so heavy handed as I think guys do where they, you know, it, it, the thing I loved is he said, I never asked them to do anything I wouldn't do or hadn't done. Right. And so, yeah, I am going to hold, you know, hold them to this standard. But what resonated with me is when you saw the clips of him, there was that one clip, too, of him running fitness. Who was leading fitness? Michael Jordan. Right. When he's running those lines. 
And that was the same mentality we had with that veteran group that stayed together for 18 years. So from Mia Hamm, Brandy Chastain, Carla Overbeck, you know, that Christine Lilly, that older group that was that kind of first generation core is that was the standard. And of that group, I would probably say Carla Overbeck, who's a name people don't know as well, but was the best leader we've ever had. She would be the one in the middle of fitness being like those Norwegian, and she would say a swear word, biatches aren't doing this, right? So let's go. Like we are a standard above, but it was ingrained in our DNA. And that's why, you know, we were good for so long and we still are good. It's the fabric of that national team is you, you put in the grind, you do the work, you set that standard. And so everything he was talking to, I'm like, yes. I was telling my kids, listen to this. Yes. Yes. And it's not a coincidence. You see that in everything. We, you know, you read Kobe Bryant's book, you hear Kobe Bryant talk. Um, and sadly we lost him, but like, that's, that's how he was built. And that was the fabric of what he was about. And that's why they are great. As people continue to join us, Shawnee, I just want to let them know here, the summit, the ESPNW summit in New York City, like Julie said, but it's virtual as is everything in 2020 at this point. Uh, it's bringing the magic of the summit to your laptop, your tablet, your smartphone, wherever you are, you can register and watch this thing. I know people in my life who are going to be doing this tomorrow from two until five. Eastern, uh, you're going to get an afternoon of conversation, reflection and laughter with the leading voices and personalities from across the sports world. Uh, we threw it up on the screen, but it's ESPNWEvents.com, uh, which is where you can register. And again, uh, it is free. This is not really so much a comment, Julie, but this is, embarrassingly enough, my sister-in-law, she loves you. And just, just saying hello. This is a cool thing we get to do with our show here is, is mm -hmm. do a little interaction. This is So here's Leslie Joe Archer, and I don't know if you know the name, Julie, but she's a local coach here. However, her significance in women's history is great because she played on the 1980 Cortland women's soccer team, which was the mm -hmm. first ever national champion soccer team nice. uh, in, in women's collegiate soccer. So connection there locally with, uh, with you know, a trailblazer herself in a lot of ways. Awesome. Um, Julie, what is what is – the biggest thing you noticed making the transition from being an athlete and world renowned to then into the, the world of broadcasting as a world female. renowned. Um, uh, the biggest the was biggest that, was, was it difficult to then, I guess, again, as a female in the industry, you know, gain the, the, basically the respect that, that you deserved. Well, it's, it was, um, it was interesting because still back then, I, I mean, I got into, to, I, gra I graduated, I retired in 2004 from the team after the 2004 Olympics. And then um, I had already been doing some television, but, you know, back then they want to kind of, as, as they still do to some degree now, if you played a sport, you should be an analyst for that sport. You should stay in that um, silo. And I always have felt like the challenge and the thrill of, TV is doing something outside of soccer, right? So putting a feature together or uh, doing a podcast, which I'd never done, or, you know, calling, not calling, but reporting on Little League World Series games and running around with families and doing something different. So that actually um, is something I had to constantly push ESPN with because I think they see analysts, they see soccer player, let's put her on soccer. Um, and 
to their credit, you know, they've been fantastic in that regard and, and the ability to, you know, throw as much as you can, which is what I tell people to do all the time in this business is just keep throwing things at the wall, at the cupboard, and eventually they're going to stick. Um, and that's what I had. I think that was probably the, the biggest lesson I had to learn is there's not someone inside Bristol every day waking up going, hey, how can we use Julie? And you have to be super proactive and you have to self-advocate for this story or this line or just building relationships out, as you guys know, in this business. But that was the challenge I loved because soccer was easy. I'd done it. I've covered it. I've And I still do it. And I love it because it keeps me close to the game. But if I was just doing soccer, I wouldn't have stayed in this business as long. Hmm. Interesting. When you look at women's athletics now versus when you started out, obviously huge strides have been made. And, and people like you are a big part of the reason why. But what are some of the things do you think? still need to be accomplished? What's kind of the one big thing right now where you look at it and you say, boy, that's still not there where it should be for women in sports? Yeah. Oh, God, that's a hard one. Bags. Can I call you Bags? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you just made his life. How much time do we have? I need some booze for this, for sure. Uh, you want? Uh, I, if, it, if it was one thing to fix women's sports... Well, one thing that you would change, the sort of the biggest issue where you still see that there being a problem. Investment in it, you know, and, and it's, um, it, and I get it. People will always argue, well, what's the return, right? So it's kind of this, this chicken and egg, what comes first? And it was the fight we gave U.S. soccer for so many years, like, Listen, if you don't invest in this women's side of the game and marketing our games and putting some money behind telling people we exist, then how are they ever to love us and to know us and to follow us and to be passionate about it? Right. And they'd be like, yeah, but there's no return. They don't care. Girls don't play. You know, it's not a global sport, blah, 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 back earlier in the day. And so we just kept rattling the cage. And what I've seen is, I mean, it's starting to happen with FIFA, for example, the, the governing body that oversees all of soccer globally. For years, they've resisted investing in the game. But they're seeing with just a small amount of investment, there's a huge return because there's so much that's untapped. And this isn't just soccer. I look at, you know, emerging sports like lacrosse. I have a lot of lacrosse friends who play on various national teams around the world. And they're at, I feel like we were at in soccer, um, Sorry, that's my alarm for my son to get on his homeschool. Declan, get on a Zoom! <laughs> I have to remind him because he never does it. Sure. Um, I can't wait for summer. <laughs> so, you know, they I feel like they were like us in the 90s where they're on this tipping point, but you still don't have the investment in the sport that you need to get you over that hump. And... I just hope that we've finally come to a place culturally uh, from a sponsorship sense as well, where corporations, it's not just, it's the right thing to do. I hate when people say that, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. No, it's the smart thing to do because you will have a return on that investment. And I think we're getting to a spot with women's sports where if people are willing to make that investment, there will be a return because we're growing in ways and that fan base is growing. And, um, and so that's where I hope we start to see the shift, because I think we do need more than just successful national teams out there. I think we need a lot more successful leagues and tournaments and things going on to raise that level of awareness. We talked with Ryan Rucco 
a month or so ago now at this point, Julie, and, and it was, but it was after the WNBA draft. And we just said to him, like, how perfect is it? And I know the WNBA right now needs to sort out some things, but how perfect w- was it that you got the Liberty sitting there at one to get somebody like Sabrina Ionescu, who is a generational talent and yeah. somebody who is going to sell tickets, but is going to sell yeah. merchandise and gear and stuff like that. And, and so hopefully, right, that's a piece of the puzzle that is really going to help that league. Yeah. And you're seeing that they also have um, and their new commissioner, Kathy, you know, someone who comes from the business world. She I think she ran Deloitte before this. Right. Um, and has said, look, we we get it. There's this balance of revenue because you also see players, you know, people say who don't understand, oh, um, why are you know, why aren't the WNBA making the same as the NBA? Well, that, that's not what the WNBA players are asking for, but they also know that there's growth to be had. And so I think when you see they have this young influx of players like Sabrina coming in into large markets and a commissioner who gets the value of these players and the value of the league going forward, I also am hopeful that you continue to see growth in that area as well. Um, Because I do think there's a ton of upside. Shawnee, I want to pop in with a question here. Uh, This is our buddy Jeff, Julie, who actually was in Oneonta to cover your Hall of Fame induction. It was the first ever all-female class uh, in 07 with Mia Ham. His question is, if you can only pick one in their prime to start your team, which of these women are you taking? Mia Ham, Abby Wambach, Michelle Akers, Alex Morgan. Oh, that one's easy. Akers. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Akers in her prime. Oh my God, the woman is a monster. We called her Mufasa because she was like a lion, right? From the Lion King. One, she had hair like a lion. Yeah. But she and she was just this gift of a soccer player in terms of she could do everything. She was tall, she was great in the air, strong, athletic. She could shoot from anywhere. She was skillful, she was fast. I mean, typically a player has some of those qualities, but you're not checking every box. Akers checked every box. And so you could ask, you could ask me, Ham. You could ask uh, Alex. You could ask Abby. Who else was on that list? Was that it? Yep, that's it. You ask those three other players on that list. All you know, some of the best players to ever play the game. I, I am ninety nine point nine percent certain. All would say Acres. Wow. That wow. Yeah, yeah. She, she is a player, boy. It's sad that she came before, like the team, you know, got the the publicity and the recognition, um, which is why I think it's fantastic. You know, you're going to hear her story in a movie, hopefully, where a lot of young girls and boys will understand her value to the sport because she was something. I wanted to ask you one more kind of not, you know, a, a serious question. I don't want to make things difficult here, obviously. Um, but when you look at the current political culture, obviously things are, are very polarizing. You're somebody who's been an advocate for so long and have worked with so many people advocating, especially women, obviously, advocating for something. What advice do you have for young female advocates who are pushing for more equality, not just in sports, but in general, and in certainly in a, in a political climate where that can be made a little bit more difficult? Yeah. Well, it, I, you know, I, I constantly having lived it, understand how hard it can be to, to stand up and to speak out. And, you know, it's why I've always 
um, commended this current team during a World Cup last summer, for example, right? We saw, you know, the president tweeting at Megan Rapinoe and, um, and her ability to handle it and to deflect and to be fine and compartmentalize in a way that's super hard for current athletes to do. Um, but I also understand, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to have that ability to stand up and speak out when you got a lot of people trying to chop you down. But I have always been a huge believer that um, that if you can build a community and you continue to try and build it out, right, build bridges to other communities to help them understand, like, look, what we're asking for isn't, you know, crazy, irrational stuff. This is this is why we feel this way. And to talk to them human to human and to just have these and it's it's hard with you know, it just feels like everything is combative. You can't have conversations without it escalating, but to have just rational conversations and, and to not be afraid to say why this is, this is what matters to me. And if you could do that with strength and numbers around you with a team as they've done this U S team um, and supporters around you, but to also understand that just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they're a bad person and to try and come to some consensus on that. Cause I just feel like everything is explosive. Yeah, Julia, we're going to let you go after this. Make sure Declan's on his his <laughs> class Zoom. Um, but again, I just want to let everybody know that the podcast is laughter permitted. She's got a great laugh, as you can tell, uh, with Julie Foudy. And again, it's on the ESPN app. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. wherever you listen to your podcast. You wherever we're there. everywhere. World domination next. Hey, that's the hey, only way to do it. This is good news. We just passed. Mind you, it took me two years to come into this podcast world. I came with my feet dragging a, li a little bit. We just passed, and we're only like 36 episodes in because we've been doing them in batches because I don't want to work every week. And so, <laughs> like, do you want to do a podcast every week? I was like, hell no. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> so we we're only like 36 uh, episodes in, and we just passed the 1 million download mark. Boom. That's huge. Yeah, Chris and I only have 999,642 to go, but we're on. Your <laughs> we are coming. Right, you got this. Uh, Julie, somebody, and it's Coach Archer again, she, she just made a comment, but I'll ask the question. She said, I wonder who they will cast for the 99 movie if it's up to you who plays Julie Foudy in the movie. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton? Okay. Yeah. That's some star power. I think Declan's on a Zoom and, and it's frozen Julie here. Oh, oh we're back here. Here we go. Well, I'm back. I'm back. She's back. No, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think we get to decide. Maybe we could we could say we have ideas on it, but I don't know. It's a that's a good game though. Everyone yeah. wants to play it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's tough. That is. Like, well, yeah. you should have some say. At least, you know, final sign off on it would be good. Yeah, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. Oh, there you go. Now you're talking. She is a beast. I love yes. that lady. She is. She's great. Talk about perfect casting. Yeah. For Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. That would Julie. probably be like for Acres or Mia. Yeah. Well, I know. Star power. It's tough. Uh, it's going to be fun. Julie, thank you so much for doing this with us today. Good to chat with you guys. Check on Declan. Everybody <laughs> register for the ESPNW Summit tomorrow. It's free. 
ESPNWEvents.com. You get great personalities like Julie all afternoon long from 2 until 5 Eastern. Julie, thank you. Stay well. Be well. Stay healthy. And, uh, and my goodness, I hope we're watching some live sports soon. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. The great Julie Foudy with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. That was fun, Shawnee. I don't know how you do it. You keep lining up these top guys. You beg, you beg, you beg, you beg. I mean, you, you beg. I mean, she called me Bags and didn't even know that was my nickname. So that's great. I am get. I must have dropped it somewhere. I'm did thinking. you? Oh, you must have. Yeah, you but, did. You dropped it in the beginning. That's but that was fun, man. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. She is, I mean, I just said it like an, an all-time great. And you can say that about a lot of people. And but. also, too, th- th- when you look at her career, it, it's obviously on multiple fronts. She's an all-time great soccer player. Was a captain of great teams, yep. Olympics, as you pointed out. But then also in broadcasting. But then also the completely other side of the coin with all of the advocacy, all of the pushing for women's equality. Um, she's, through her career, both on and off the field, had a very, very big impact on a lot of people. And that's not something that even some of the greatest male athletes are able to say, you know? So that's that's something that I think is important to point out and certainly an honor to have her on with us. Yeah, look, you know, when when we look back at the last World Cup and, and we're talking about pay equality and all that stuff, and I love Julie's answer that it wasn't necessarily about what the players are getting paid. It's about powerful, I'll say women, but men included, like invest your money mm-hmm. in the advancement and success of, of female sports. I know Sue Bird has talked about that as well as it's about or Diana Taurasi. It's about getting, you know, powerful, wealthy women to invest in female sports. I love that answer out of her. And you're right. I mean, we talk about like what Megan Rapino was saying during that world cup. Well, guess what? Some of that stuff maybe doesn't get said if you don't have the other voices like a Julie Foudy who's constantly advocating for women empowerment in the world sports. Yeah, that's exactly right. And look, the the fact that that team went through what they went through the last time around with the president saying the things that he said you, you need that base. You need that springboard to go off of, like you said. You need the others who have done it before, but now you can be the ones who've done it before the next one. You know, that's kind of how it works. So that, what, what the 99 team did for women's sports and what Julie and her teammates continue to do for women in sports, hopefully it leads to And, and I want to point out the the fact with the investment, the fact that, that she talked about the fear that the return isn't there is so misplaced. Because the return is there. Right. You just need to do it. And the more it's done, the more people will see the return is there. And then hopefully the more people will do it. So, but yes, excellent having her on. Another great get by you. I don't know how you're going to continue to top yourself, but it's a lot of pressure now. Well, we're going to take the next three hours here and try to explain what the NHL is going to do when it comes back as a season. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Try to figure out the draft lottery. Forget I mean, it. That there were full screens up when the commissioner was talking yesterday that could have been in a different language. Aren't you now, and this is so unfair to the players, but aren't you now like, let's just play the games. I don't care what it looks like, where it's played, who it benefits, who it doesn't. Let's just play the games. Yeah, I'm with you. But the thing is, like, and to the commissioner's credit, 
you know, there's so many things you have to take into consideration. This is not easy, but let's let's also remember this about yesterday. All of that was a best case scenario. It was hard for me not to sit there and think, boy, this this probably is not going to happen. I hope it does. And if it does, the way it was outlined, remember I was I had some concerns about whether or not it would feel like it's a legit Stanley Cup champion. I, I think it would be. If they're able to play the games the way they've outlined them, um, there are still some things I would change. And, and like I said, I think that not having a home advantage hurts the teams who have done better during the regular season. But all things considered, if you still have to go through the grind of the playoffs this way and you know the, the teams that – that we're on sort of the brink of the playoffs to have to go through essentially just a first round to get in. I'm, I'm more on board with it after yesterday than I was before I knew as much about it. That being said, I, I just really hope it happens. I'm not as confident that's going to happen as I'd like to be. I know. And you know where I've been all along on this is I just don't see it for the NFL. And boy, does it look bleak for baseball after that first offer from the owners it, it doesn't look good. The players will counter. They'll dance back and forth a little bit, but it doesn't look good with what the owners first offered to the Players Association. So we'll and see. With, with hockey, you know, I think the big question that they and everybody still needs to answer is, okay, when we get into I know baseball I think has talked about this a little bit, but like when we get into it, if then a player or two or three start to test positive, Right. What really is the game plan? I know you can take them out and put them in quarantine, whatever, but now we start getting into that situation for me where it's like we're going to have an asterisk next to it if, you know, a top player from two or three teams goes out. So what's going to be the strategy when we get there? And, of course, look, health and injury, that that's always a part of the game, but it's such a different scenario here because it's something that probably if somebody has it, they could play through, no problem, but certainly would not be allowed to. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, hopefully it never becomes an issue, but certainly you've got to have a really good plan in place for if and when that does happen. All right, Shawnee. Uh, I'll see you in a couple hours at work, man. Uh, Dude, we're, we're launching a rocket today. We are. At How are we not going to talk about that? We're launching a rocket. SpaceX. Americans taking off from American soil. You are fired up about this. Well, I like I like it. Look, I'm into the, I'm into the, the whole – the whole deal, space, NASA, I think it's important stuff. Not as high on the Space Force, um, but I think the you know the International Space Station, uh, the science of space, I, I think there's a great importance to it. And I think they're, they're on important missions. I think what's out there is, is important to, to look into, put it that way. So you said it the other day. Okay. Julie Foudy today, Adam Lefko was phenomenal yesterday. If you're watching the Foudy interview, go back, go farther down on our Facebook page, watch the interview we did with Adam Lefko from TNT and the Bleacher Report. He was phenomenal yesterday. Uh, and then even dive further back and, and watch some of our, our prior interviews as well. Um, so if, if, if we're going to try to beat Lefko-Foudy combo this week, we got to do an interview with somebody in space next week. Is that what you're saying? That'd be great. We talked about this when we were strictly an audio podcast. Yeah. Now what? A couple of years ago. Oh yeah, easy. Um, we we had a whole episode about space that I would encourage people to go back and listen to on on iTunes um, because it was one of the dumber things we've ever done <laughs> and one of the more entertaining. So I'll leave it at that. 
Yes, I think that's a pretty good combo. Dumb and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yes. You decide which one you are and which one I am. And uh, and thank you, everybody, for hanging out and watching with us here today. Uh, if you don't already, please follow us here on, on Facebook and, uh, and on Twitter, Honorado and Bagnardi. And we'll be back soon with someone from outer space. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, no. Maybe. All right, Pegs. Have a good one, buddy. You Thanks too. for watching, everybody.